Hey, what's happening, you guys? This is the Proclivity Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Joel. Got the amazing co-host, Coach Emily. Hello. And we we got some fire for you today. Emily, have you ever felt stuck in your life? For sure. Sometimes it feels like <laughs> weekly. <laughs> it just depends, yeah. right? Whether whether getting feeling stuck in uh, work, making a decision, uh, relationships, y- y'all y'all might know, <laughs> okay? Uh, or even fitness and nutrition, so on and so forth. We mm-hmm. can f- we can find ourselves being so stuck, and yeah. we we a lot of the times don't know the direction to get out or or we're following this like what society tells us what to do right just have a better plan right just activate action right now yet there's there's different ways and that's what we're going to be talking about today yet before we get into it we want to thank our title sponsors one eight sleep helps you sleep faster better deeper you don't know what a sleep is go to asleep.com we do have a discount code it's joel at checkout get the discount there we love our eight sleeps they make us feel great and we were talking about this right before we got on we were talking about fatco and all the different products that you use because i'm just getting into it more and more Mm -hmm. yet were you on fatco's instagram today yes yeah my son and i yes (laughs) yeah because He has a genetic skin condition, which I pass along to him, which causes really scaly skin. And this is one of the best products I have been able to find to help with it. And so I use, I I use a lot of their product for that. And then I also love, I use their deodorant, it's a natural deodorant that doesn't have all the toxic chemicals in it. Yeah. I use a lot of their other stuff as well. It's awesome. It's so good. I've been using it on my face and on my body. And it's, you guys, it's, this is the, this is the real deal stuff. So quality stuff and. Yeah, I was gonna say quality stuff, and the it's a small business um, owned by a family, which I love. The owner is amazing; she's super sweet. So, anytime I can support a small business with people who are super kind, that, this is the perfect example of it. Yep, that's what we do around here. That's what we do around here. So, check it out. Is it fatco.com? Mm-hmm. Fatco.com, guys, check it out. Check it out. All right, you guys. Episode fifty-nine. We got a special guest today. Reggie Ra is my good friend from Tennessee. I went to Tennessee as of recent, and I missed him by just a moment. (laughs) And so I'm making it up by getting on a podcast. Reggie has a background. I mean, this dude, you got to follow him. You got to follow him on Instagram. We're going to be throwing out his Instagram at the end. Uh, Incredible dude. He played Division I football in Middleton, Tennessee. After after he got done, he continued with fitness and his, and his athleticism through group training and personal training. Then he recognized that he has a gift. The gift is to be able to bring personal freedom to men who are, help, who are struggling with anxiety and stress, struggling with direction. He helps bring personal clarity and peace I want to bring on my good friend and stellar freedom coach, Reggie 
raw. Maggie, what's up, man? What's up, y'all? So <laughs> glad to be here. First of all, I just got to say, man, I love the intro to this deal, to your podcast, <laughs> man. Well done. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we love doing our podcasts and, uh, you know, we love get, having guests on. And, and when guests come on and they say those kind of things, you know, we feel like we're, we're doing the right thing, huh, Emily? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> 100, 100%. So, Reggie, give us a little background. I, I, I love your background, right, from uh, playing Division One football to now being a, a personal freedom coach. Give us an outline of how you went from – and what position did you play in, in Division One? Yeah, I played safety. Played Sa- safety, undersized safety. Dude. About 185, 185 pounds most yeah. of the time yes. um, throughout the season. But it was hard for me to stay much around that because we were so busy moving our bodies so much that it was hard for me to uh, keep my weight up higher than that. Just metabolism was high and right. we were getting after it 24 <laughs> 7 mentally, physically. <laughs> Not so much that they were too high on the emotional piece, but it was an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Take that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the amount of work you have to do, it doesn't matter, guys, whether division one, two, three, like the work you do as, as a collegiate athlete is incredible. I mean, the amount of time that you had to spend, right? Uh, that, that can take a that can take a toll on a body, a mind, uh, emotions, right? Tell me about it. Still dealing with this today. My hips are a little achy, <laughs> knees a little creaky. I'm doing my thumbs up. If you guys can see this, one thumb doesn't really, you know, do the full standing. And yeah, I actually had dreams about college football. I have nightmares about it often. Um, and nightmares as in feelings of being late to meetings or late to a game Mm -hmm. or miss the game or Mm -hmm. uh, not doing something right on the field and getting yelled at or letting people down and things like that. And I've spoken to a few of my former teammates and they have recollections and nightmares of similar Mm -hmm. situations. So it's really interesting that that's still present with me. But there's also amazing um, memories that have guided me into the work that I'm doing today, for sure. So yeah, and and, and tell us tell us about that, right? So you, you, you played Division One football. And then what what happened after Division One football to start taking you towards, you know, the athletic, uh, uh, like group training to now being a freedom coach? Yeah, yeah. Well, it really, it started when I was younger, when I was a kid, to be quite honest. I remember I just had a conversation with my uncle yesterday, and I was telling him about this one experience I had around five or six or maybe seven when I looked into the mirror at myself and I looked directly into my eyes and I was really eye gazing with myself, looking through the windows of my eyes. And they say that the wind, the, the um, window to the soul is through the eyes. And I had this experience of like touching my my face and being like, whoa, like this is me, but this isn't me. It's not all of me. Like there's more to this thing that I feel like I'm in this thing, but there's more there. So I had that really spiritual experience of being 
connected with um, the universe, so to speak, and just connected with something bigger than myself. And um, growing up from that age onward, I had the experience of seven, well, six people passing away, seven, including my dog, which felt just as challenging as as losing family members and things like that. Mm and that just like most of it was to health conditions, health issues. A couple of them were acute um, that weren't health uh, challenges, but most of them were health challenges that I realized at a later age could be um, combated, could be prevented, could be worked through with the right tools, the right awareness and the right guidance. And I realized that my family members lack that. And in college, the natural way for me to start healing um, those experiences and supporting other people in humanity that may be facing heart disease, cancer, um, diabetes, things like that was to enroll in school and and, uh, get a degree in exercise science. And I started to fit the mold, started to wear athletic clothing and just (laughs) basically pretended like I was a coach before I was a coach because the first time I tried out for the Middle Tennessee State football team I didn't make the team so that's when I was like oh well you know what else could I do to still be engaged in my body and fitness and and you know teaching or coaching and it was to do that and to do an internship training the baseball team and that's what I did and um, went through college and uh, had a lot of cool experiences in the exercise science department I wasn't really super into it. I was more focused on football and my girlfriend and things like that, more young-minded, still free-spirited, wanted to party, things like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after college when I really got a keen sense of like, this is what I want to do. And that's when I was studying for the um, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist certification. And um, that took a rigorous amount of study and trial and error and um, ended up passing that. And I was like, wow, I feel so much more educated and resourced and um, feel like I have the ability to really support humans now, not only from an experience that I had all through college through movement, but also from a psychological standpoint of like, what's actually the mechanics of how to support this person in exploring their own personal freedom which at that time it was through moving, moving the body. Yeah. So yeah. And that, and that's when I got into group fitness training, man. And yeah, that was, uh, that's how the journey got kicked off. And, and yeah. so how long did you do uh, group training and personal training? Yeah, I did group training. So there was a guy named Chris Regan that trained me, mm-hmm. uh, back when I was in college and, uh, he would train me during the off seasons. And I really just enjoyed working out with him, enjoyed what he did. And um, I reached out to him and was like, yo, uh, I need an internship, bro. <laughs> hook me up, dog. Yeah. <laughs> so he hooked me up. He's like, I got you, homie. Come on. So he hooked me up <laughs> and he uh, took me under his wing. And next thing I know, I'm getting thrown into the fire training yes. people before I was yes. personally ready. But sometimes they would have coaches out or yeah. somebody wouldn't be there. Be like, Reggie, jump in there. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> all right you know and i just i started leading kettlebell classes cool and i had a lot of fun with that people love the classes and uh it's just really creative uh 
and, and a foundational form of movement as well. And, um, you know, people can take kettlebells anywhere with them. So that was like another form of freedom. You know, you could move, you could take it to a park, do some kettlebells, yes. and do some squats, do some lunges, yes. um, you know, get creative with it. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and so yeah. you did that for a, 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 a time. What, what brought you, I mean, again, from what you're saying, you were preparing yourself to do what you're doing now. Where was the pivot or the turn to start working into what you're doing now? Yes. Well, during that time period that I was just sharing with you when I just started group fitness training, I was actually exiting a five-year relationship from 17 to 23-ish. And also football had ended from six to 23. Wow. So a large portion of my identity was tied up into those two things. When I was in college, I was either A in class, B doing something with football, C with my girlfriend. That was it. Right. <laughs> that was my life. Yeah. <laughs> so when those things were removed, I had this deep sense of grief, deep sense of loss and a newfound freedom that I actually didn't know what to do with. It was like this space had been created, yet I didn't have the tools to actually utilize that new space in a productive and effective way. So that space got filled with the uh, chaos that was already in my mind, the uh, trauma and wounds that were in my body, because um, trauma gets stored in the body. I didn't know this at the time, but that was what was going, what was happening and all this stuff had space to come up to the surface because I wasn't near as busy I wasn't distracted and it was a opportunity for me to face off with these things yet I didn't have the tools so my way of coping with the anxiety with the stress with the uh, depression was to drink party drink party go to work for from monday to friday and saturday morning drink party some more go to work monday through saturday morning drink party some more and i did that for about three years from mm. 23 to about 25 and those are some dark days really really dark days i i, I used um uh things like xanax to numb myself out because it just the the overwhelming anxiousness and tension within my body and my mind i didn't know how else to deal with it and um in my personal in the in the group fitness job that i was in i started to become really resentful and um really just sad and feeling like a victim in that mm -hmm. role because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was being paid enough, but I was afraid to speak up for myself or ask what I wanted. I felt like I was working too much, but also didn't feel safe enough to put that request in and say, you know, hey, uh, I would like to dial back my hours. Can we add another coach in? I want to explore some different things. Mm -hmm. um, there was just a lack of safety and trust within myself that I could express those things and be met with, uh, with compassion be met with positive communication 
I was so afraid of conflict that I just lived in that shell for so long that, yeah, it, it became my own little personal prison cell where I felt really stuck, really sad, really unheard. But I would show up every week to coach these classes with a smile on my face and some, uh, I guess, some jitter in my step, you know, pep in my step mm -hmm. and just positive, like positive mindsetting this shit every week, yeah. which was just separating myself further from my actual truth. It was a mask. It was a persona that I was wearing and my avatar, <laughs> my inner self, my true self was so freaking sick of wearing this mask that it, it basically forced me into a deep, dark depression. And that's when I realized that it was time to change. You know, it's like I waited till the house was on fire, literally burning down before I decided to say anything wow. or ask for help. Yeah. So that, that was the turning point. Pain, deep suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it's burning down <laughs> and and you know what hey you guys anyone who's listening right now go ahead and raise your hand if you can relate to reggie's story that you you had yeah exactly emily and i are raising our hands if you guys aren't watching uh on on youtube or the uh, facebook page we're raising our hand because we can relate to it too right? You feel stuck. You don't know what to do. There's past trauma, but you don't really know that the, your body's holding on to that trauma, right? And there's, we talk about this all the time on the Proclivity uh, podcast, that your, your external manifestation, what you are seeing, whether it's weight gain, uh, whether it's something with your skin, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, visually, it's an, in, it's an external manifestation of internal trauma. Your central nervous system is holding on to it. And this is what Reggie's talking about. And and so this brings us into what we're talking about today, which is that feeling of being stuck or separated from your identity or lost in your identity. And I want to dive into that because that's really, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of what we talk about here and it's it's what you specialize in. So let me ask you this. What do you usually see in people when they're stuck? You mentioned for yourself, it was, you know, it was drinking, it was depression, these external manifestations. What do you usually see with the people that you work with? Uh, what, are, what are the external manifestations that you're seeing? Yeah, well, um, typically an external manifestation is more along the lines of just repeated behaviors that feel out of alignment or negative for them that keep them mm, feeling like they are in a box and revisiting some of the same experiences over and over again but confused as to why these experiences are continuing to happen i see it show up as like viewing things through the worst case scenario like i know a lot of people i've coached a few people through um breakups or moving across the country and until they actually you know engaged with me they were contemplating this deep down they knew what they wanted to do 
but the story and the sensation of fear and anxiousness in their body would slow them down from actually taking a step forward. And um, it's kind of like a glass ceiling that they are unaware of. And for somebody, for instance, uh, a client that I was working with that wanted to move out to California and um, start, you know, he wanted to move out there and work for the LA Rams and all this good stuff. The fear for him was that he wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, he'd get out there and fail and have to move back home or that um, he wouldn't be able to find a job. It's too expensive. Just different things like that would come up and he would really have his focus on those things. And it would get caught in a story in his head. And instead of actually being present to the anxiousness and the fear that was there in his body as a felt sense. So basically what happens is when we go to do something that is in the unknown or outside the realm of what our ego has been doing or our habitual habits, there's a sensation that comes up in the body that signals to us um, that we are don't feel safe, essentially. It's uh, basically like flight or fight, freeze or peas, those ones that we're pretty, I'm sure that your listeners are aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, we get those sensations in the body, but we can't make sense of the cue, the story that's coming up in our head. So we get really like, uh, we get lost. We get lost in the, in the, in the, in the sensation, we get lost in the story and we keep going through these repetitive, repetitive behavioral cycles that just seem to never end. And, um, it's like we keep revisiting, um, an old experience, like we're in a revolving door on a hamster wheel or something like that. Mm-hmm. So those are some, that's one of the experience, one of the experiences that I've had with one of my clients. Mm-hmm. There've been some others, um, like I said, breakups before that they're just deathly afraid to actually pull the trigger. They know that it's what they need to do, mm-hmm. but they're attached to the feeling of security within the relationship and afraid of the perceived lack of security outside of the relationship. But it all comes down to feeling safe enough to actually communicate and execute on one's true desires. Um, and we can speak more about the safety piece. I'm sure we'll get into that. Oh, big time, big time. You, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I truly have a belief, and, and we use this, that feelings come from two different soils, right? So the soil of fear and the soil of love, right? Mm-hmm. When, we, when we feel unsafe, that's coming from the, the soil of fear, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like really breaking, breaking that down and finding that safety because you're right. It's like holding on to the buoy, Knowing that you want to swim, you want to swim to land, but the buoy is your safety and you're, you're trying to swim with one hand, but you're still holding on to the buoy instead of just going, let it go, let it go. Yet there's the fear of, am I going to be able to swim? What if there's a big tide? You know, what if there's (laughs) sharks underneath me, right? It's a what if, what if, what if, what if game. And so then you feel so unsafe yet you feel 
that you know, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be on land with coconuts and shade and like my own shelter. I'll start a little family on this island. It's going to be beautiful, right? But you're too afraid of the, the waters or the depths of the waters that, that, you're, that are unknown to be able to step into that. So, you know, when it comes to that stuck feeling, and I'm sure so many people are, are relating to this, and safety, how do you start getting people to the point of, hey, it's okay to let go. It's okay. You're safe. You can let go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. And it's really simple, actually. Um, it has depth to it. It's really simple. And I believe it's slowing down, learning the art of slowing down. Because we live in such a fast-paced world. There's a lot going on. We live in a Western civilization that's based on the industrial age and has moved into an even faster informational technological age. And there's all these things grasping and grabbing and dragging and pushing and pulling for our attention that um, we often aren't present to the signals that our body has given us or the uh, what we call the somatic um, intervention. Our body has a way of intervening and giving us a message, a signal um, to slow down and be present to what's being communicated. And that happens through building emotional intelligence and connecting with your body. And the only way to really connect with your body on a really consistent and sustainable way is to really slow down, be present with your body, connect with your body, and then you will begin to notice that experiences are constantly arising and falling, some comfortable, some uncomfortable, some feel like openings, some feel like closings, some feel threatening, some feel welcoming, and this is always happening 24-7. And when we can be present to those sensations by slowing down, taking a deep breath, then we can access some of the wisdom that our body is relaying to us and communicating to us. And from that wisdom, we can take um, a slower, more conscious, clear, and effective step towards freedom really or whatever that whatever it is that we're calling into our lives whether it be better health better relationships leaving toxic relationships uh starting a podcast starting a business quitting a business moving to california moving to australia moving back to america things that i've done yeah they they can be they can happen more easily when you're able to slow down and uh, slow down to the speed of wisdom is what I like to call it. Mm, because that, uh, wisdom moves at a different pace than our intellectual mind has been conditioned to move. And we get lost in those fast-paced emotions and fast-paced thoughts. So it's like, slow down. Let's, stay, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it present. Let's keep it powerful right mm. here, right now. Mm, that's yeah. so good. 
And yeah. Coach Emily, I know you can uh, relate to that in terms of mm-hmm. your experience of the external manifestations that you had and how Western medicine was, oh, you need to do this, this, and this. Yet there was there was something deeper, right? Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, you make a really good point is that our culture is telling us to do all the other things. And like you said, pulling our attention this way and that in that way. And you need to work more. You need to do more. You need to hustle more. And for me, in my experience, I was constantly internalizing my stress and I looked totally normal on the outside. Like you said, same thing. I was handling things well from what it looked like to others, yet I would internalize my stressors. I was holding my breath uh, and I wasn't, that was holding me back from thinking clearly and literally causing anxiety. And so I totally resonate with that because that is what caused my, my, I had so many physical issues. I had kidney stones, seizures, skin rashes, indigestion, like chronic bloating, um, chronic exertional compartment syndrome in my leg I had a surgery for. And I know looking back at these things, like you said with yourself, that they could have, you know, they could have been prevented if I had the tools at the time to understand slowing down, taking the breath and being aware, why is this happening? Asking those questions to yourself without the judgment. So I love that you said that. That is actually something we go over in our group program is one week is dedicated to slowing down. Um, And it's one of those things that people are like, oh, slowing down. eh." Like that's just so simple sounding. Like, does it really help? Yes. (laughs) Like it is so powerful if you actually take the time to do it and maybe feel a little uncomfortable at first, right? When you're talking with someone, you take that pause, you take the extra breath you slow down from what you're used to, it can feel uncomfortable at first, yet I highly, highly encourage it. And I very much agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Really beautifully said. And yeah, the slowing down can feel uncomfortable. And often that discomfort is exactly where the growth edge is because if slowing down is uncomfortable, it's likely at the edge of your, you're playing at the edge of your consciousness or at the edge of your comfort zone and stepping into your growth zone. If slowing down is actually a legitimate challenge and feels uncomfortable. So even the Mm -hmm. discomfort of taking a step back and doing that is a signal from your body is a new awareness of yourself and how you've been operating. And um, there's so much uh, information that can be, uh, I guess, downloaded or what's the word I'm looking for abstracted from that Mm. that experience of discomfort it's just like asking that asking that discomfort like what is this discomfort about you know what Mm -hmm. is this uh what am I present to within this discomfort what is this discomfort here to teach me is this discomfort driving me in the direction I want to go or is it moving me in a direction that I don't want to go is this discomfort coming from a place of anxiety and needing feeling like I need to perform and do really well and get it right and get it perfect and uh, not mess it up or not, you know, do the wrong thing, whatever the case may be, which a lot of times those mm-hmm. are coming from um, an ego place, which um, is a uh, unfulfilled, <laughs> never will be fulfilled, never will be sustained never be satisfied fully and will always feel like something's missing. So if we're continuously driven by something that feels unsatisfied, like something's always missing, 
like nothing's ever going to be right and that's the energy that you're manifesting out into the world then like what joel said that energy that you're putting out be the energy that you see manifest um, in your physical reality whether it be your body and your job or just in your day-to-day habits um so it's Mm -hmm. it just gives you an opportunity to really look at those things and ask the deeper question of like what is this discomfort that i'm experiencing about and what is it communicating to me Mm -hmm. one yeah yeah. that that curiosity like guys listen to what reggie was saying i i don't know about you reggie but i know a lot of the people that we work with they will be they will be so hard on themselves right in these moments i shouldn't be feeling this way right Mm -hmm. i know it's my fault you know instead of exactly what you're talking about being like wait 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 this is a teacher let me listen let me lean in let me be curious Mm -hmm. they create so much conflict and so when we're creating more conflict right we're creating more friction more friction with ourselves our inner selves our external selves when it comes to emotions thoughts how much does that play into our overall health well uh, that's a that's a big big one and how much does it play i would i'll say this we're multi-dimensional beings we exist on many different planes of uh existence we've got the physical plane which we're very aware of we've got the emotional plane we've got the thought plane and we've got the spiritual plane well the way that we develop as human beings starts at a very young age pre-verbal pre-thought based and our nervous systems get programmed at that time at like before we even exit the womb we're already being programmed with how we're going to be in the world based on how our parents were based on how our mom and dad was and depending on if like our mom was stressed or worried or anxious or nervous or sad or depressed when we're in the womb we receive all of that genetic and chemical energetic information that's pre-verbal and a lot of those things you know play out through our childhood and actually like thought doesn't come online until we're like around a little over like somewhere like 12 months old 6 to 12 18 months somewhere in there is when we start to develop this thought based separate identity from our mom and from our dad so all of those things all those energetic uh signaling and signals and emotional signals that we receive from our parents basically build our template for how we're going to survive and thrive in the world as we get older And the strategies that we create during those times of of one to seven, those strategies that we create to survive and to communicate and to thrive in the world, we continue with those strategies even as we get older. And um, I would say that the, the realm of like thought is, hmm, 
the realm of thought is like the third level of what's happening for your health basically when you think about thoughts and emotions as it pertains to your health thought is the third level of what's actually happening in your system when it refers to your health the first level is the sensation which is the youngest part of you from when you were like six months old in the womb all the way through like <laughs> two or three years old it's the all you knew was sensations all you knew was energy you didn't have words or language to articulate what you were experiencing you scream mom knows you're upset you smile mom knows you're happy you're restless mom knows you pooped your diaper you know it's <laughs> all through body language and energy so um when we look at health and being a, a holistic healthy human the sensation has to be addressed because that is the basic fundamental inception point of um i guess a lack of health or a negativity or trauma or wounds or pain the suffering that we experience the inception point of all of those things happen through our sensory experience when we were young 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 and then the sensation turns into an emotion second level is the emotion okay we, we build our emotional body we build our emotional habits which is basically built off of our parents template and how they responded to life and then it moves to thought mm. then it moves to action and behaviors so the action and behaviors is like way down the road okay so how important is thought and emotion really really freaking important and really powerful to work with and if you're looking for true transformation true rewiring of the patterns that you don't even remember they're called implicit memories these are body-based memories that we don't consciously have access to until we connect with our body okay if you're looking to liberate yourself like truly and access a state of freedom, then connecting with the sensory experience that you have on a day-to-day -day basis is gonna be the key turning point um, into accessing what I would call a multi-dimensional form of health mm. as it pertains to your human development and your human potential. Um, that was a lot. I trust that some of that makes sense and um, yeah, man, I love this shit. <laughs> yeah, you do, man. And you can, you can tell, like, and, and you guys, if you're watching uh, uh, on on the, the recording, the video recording, like, Emily and I are just shaking our heads, right? Because the stuff that you're saying, Reggie, like, we're, we're coming from that space. I'm just going, like, I mean, Emily and I were just talking about, like, the importance of how generationally how you can pass down these emotions or feelings from womb to womb right from what your great grandmother did right to your grandmother to your mother to you right and what you do with your child in your womb might not correlate exactly right then with your child but it will generationally down down the road you know and and some of you guys may be thinking like wait a second this this seems like woo woo right or like way out and trust us you guys yes it, is it different because you haven't heard it of course that's with anything yet continue to listen and continue to like what reggie was saying download it download it 
try to avoid putting a filter on it and just allow it to receive. Be aware of it, of what you're thinking and what you're feeling when it comes to this. Because guys, if we really look at the numbers, 42%, and I've, I've, I keep with this number, 42% of people are obese. Metabolic disease is on the climb. Like, yet we have everything we need when it comes to Western medicine and being able to help, yet people continue to get more and more sick. We're disconnected here, guys. This is that stuck feeling you have and you just don't know how to get out of it. You're stuck in your work or you're stuck in this relationship or you're stuck with yourself. And so we've talked a lot about the stuck part. Let's, let's give our listeners a little bit on how do we become unstuck? What are the techniques to use? You, you talked a little bit about somatic practice. What is that? right? What is emotional intelligence? Do we need that? Give us an idea for, for people who are like, I'm leaning in now because you caught my attention. How do I get out of this stuckness? Because I don't want these physical manifestations anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I missed a, a little bit of your question, but I, I'm pretty sure I get the gist of it. Um, so for anyone that's listening right now, I invite you just to feel beyond the words of what's coming through here and what I'm sharing and feel like the resonance of like where this information is, is landing within your body. What are you noticing? Are, do you feel agitated? Do you feel interested? Do you feel inspired? Do you feel a bit, um, are you questioning some of the information? Do you feel curious? And just notice where you feel that within your physical body. That's one place to start. And um, see if you can feel the resonance just beyond the words and feel the power and truth that is available to you beyond the conceptual or linguistic words that I'm actually using. So there, there's, there's, a, there's an energetic resonance that you can be aware of. That's why you're attracted to certain people. That's why you're attracted to certain things, because there's a magnetism, there's a resonance within you that draws you towards it and interests a, a part of you to uh, follow that journey or follow that path. And the body is cueing you or giving you signals that this is the thing for me. And there's this saying that's called, um, well, there's not a, it's not a saying necessarily, but it's inspiration in spirit is what it really means. And spirit in Latin, the Latin root word for spirit means to be breathed into or to breathe into life. And personally, I believe when we're inspired, that is um, universe, spirit, whatever name you want to put on it for you or your higher self or just a, a intuition or your heart, whatever name's on the door for you, that is breathing something into you and an essence uh, an energy to move forward to to open the new door to open new window that's my that's my spiel on that <laughs> so if you feel inspired by this trust that what i'll go to as far as the question that you had joe mm -hmm. um somatics are you curious what somatic is exactly yeah 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 tell us tell us about it okay so somatic, 
somatic coaching or somatic therapy is basically using the body and psychology, the mind, in order to bring our past traumatic childhood experiences into completion, into wholeness, into a state where we're no longer hindered by the past because we've accepted what happened in our past, whether we got neglected or felt stupid or not smart enough because we didn't get good grades in school or we got bullied by uh, you know the other kids at school or whether we didn't fit in or whether we were a chameleon and just hung out with everybody and we wore different masks and personas because um, we felt like we couldn't be ourselves so we had to adopt to each different ecosystem within our school so I'm really good at that 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 became a strength and also it's birthed from a trauma of feeling like I cannot be me I'm not safe to be who I truly am because if I am truly who I am if I show up that way people won't accept me people won't love me people will leave me they'll make me wrong so we somatic psychology goes back into those memories that you may not even consciously remember that are held within the cellular structure of your body. And um, we basically just heal those by creating a sense of safety in the body that it's okay to experience those traumatic emotions that you may have experienced in middle school or um, in uh, elementary school or preschool or whatever it was. Um, you create a sense that I am safe to experience this i'm ex i'm safe to experience these challenging emotions i'm safe to experience this overwhelming anxiety i'm safe to experience this overwhelming fear and when you do that the fear anxiousness and worry and stuckness begins to dissolve it dissolves in the body it dissolves in the mind and with that dissolving there is um, behind that dissolving is a space for inspiration, a space for creativity, a new uh, a new flood of energy that you can uh, manifest with, or set new goals, or go after new goals, or whatever it is you want to do. You're more resourced and able to do that because you're no longer running from your emotions or running from your past experiences. You've cultivated the courage, the clarity and the consciousness to be with what is no matter what it is, you know, you're okay. You know, you're fine. You know, you're safe. And that's what that, this type of coaching does. Um, so that's what somatic psychology is. Uh, Man, that yeah. is, that is on point with a lot of stuff that 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 we do and and just talking. I mean, I, again, we just got done with a, a client right before the, the podcast, and one of the things that we were we were reminding her is that like when you're pushing, guys, like pressure pushes, right? If I am I if I'm pushing against something, I'm getting resistance, and that's because I'm choosing to press against it right? But patience and acceptance pulls in. And so a lot of the times we want to pull in the things that feel good and press against the things that feel bad. 
Instead, and I believe, Reggie, this is what you're saying, being able to have the awareness and be like, hey, no, fear, anxiety, depression, you can come in. Come on in, right? Because you're part of this home too as well. And being able to create a safe space for those feelings as well helps us to realize, wait, this, these are all teachers and this is all part of who I am. And you, you start dissolving that fear or that pressure because you're inviting them in. Is that, is that somewhat what, what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Joe, you do a great job of bringing things down to earth, making it practical, analogies, metaphors. I really love that and appreciate that. Um, yeah. So just wanted to acknowledge you for that ability. It's Thank really you. powerful. I receive um, that. To, to be of service to people in that way. And yes, that's very accurate. Um, what you're getting at is, is um, what is a, a Buddhist teaching that's called um, craving or averting. And that's usually done... Um, by an egoic part of us and the ego is is basically like our identity and uh ego actually has multiple identities that we cycle through and um typically that part of us doesn't want to experience pain or 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 suffering or bad uh you know not bad emotions i'll I'll call them bad emotions now so you don't understand but doesn't want to feel bad emotions or anything like that so it has us push those away and neglect those experiences and, and, and run away from those emotions, which is really running away from aspects of ourselves. So we're disowning ourselves and saying, my anxiety, my sadness cannot be here. It must leave. It must go away. So we disown it. And that leaves us with we have no power to change it. We have no power to legitimately heal it Mm. because we're saying that it it can't be a part of me. So it's got to stay over there. And then we go, we get hyper attached to positive experiences and needing to sustain and maintain um, this positive, uh, happy go lucky experience of life, which, you know, if you're in life, we're here to embrace all of it. It's a polarity. It's an experience of light, dark, good, bad, um, right, wrong, tall, short, black, white, like mm-hmm. we have to be able to accept and to embrace all of those experiences to be fully healthy, whole and uh, responsible, responsible to life and to what we're called to do. Um, so just like I think that a lot of what creates suffering for people is the attachment to everything needs to be good. Everything needs to be uh, perfect or everything needs to feel good in life and neglecting this whole other side of life. That is a very real and true aspect of our human experience. And once we learn to acknowledge that and accept it and to actually welcome it in, then it ceases to be, Hmm it ceases to be a hindrance in our ability to, to take a stand for what we truly desire in life. Because actually like separating ourselves from those things, moving away from it creates its own little prison in and of itself because we're like, you know, can't go that way. Can't experience that. So I'm just going to stay here in this box. Mm -hmm. This is where I live. Other things are not welcome here. 
aka feeling stuck trapped right those are a lot of the words that people will say you know our clients i'm sure your clients as well you know we're like "I, i feel stuck or trapped or i can't move or and you know my question to you reggie is you know yes the awareness inviting those emotions in and and then there's also right people can get super hyper focused on the negative emotions and it's mm-hmm. like they continue to put themselves back into these negative mm-hmm. emotions and these negative feelings. You know, I, I just, life isn't w- working out and I'm, you know, I feel so stuck in my job and, you know, my friends aren't the same and my family's this. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. And they're just focusing in, in on that, focusing in on that. What would you say yeah. to, to that? Um, I would say that likely they're focused on the external world and not the legitimate pain that's in their body. They're probably focused on their job and how they hate it and how Susie or John sucks, their boss Mm -hmm. sucks, Mm -hmm. whoever the hell it is. And they're probably focused on how their partner is not doing this or not doing that or whatever the case may be. The majority of the time when we're actually in negative experiences, we're not actually meeting the experience where it's at, which is inside of our physical vessel. We usually the trick to this human game is that we are always focused on the outside world, the external world. And we try to change things from an outside perspective, outside in, instead of going inward first and changing things from the inside out. When we're playing the outside end game, it's usually we're a victim to life. These things are happening in my life, so I feel frustrated. I'm in this job, it sucks, so I feel depressed. I'm, you know, in this shitty relationship and, you know, whatever. It sucks, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, I feel angry or resentful or whatever. But that's giving the power away to something outside of you to make you feel or have a certain experience, which is a victim mentality. And and often people get stuck in that. And one of the the key uh, characteristics of the victim mentality is that it refuses to legitimately feel the, the experience that you're having and feel the emotions legitimately. It's more of an intellectual processing of emotions which doesn't actually help them uh, liberate and be freed and move out of the system and help somebody actually move forward it just keeps them on that hamster wheel of thought instead of actually getting to the root cause of it which is likely um some childhood experience <laughs> right and, uh, happens with connecting with the body so i would say um somebody who's in in that experience is um, really going to come down to a, a high level of self-responsibility, not to the point of blaming yourself for your situation or making yourself wrong or judging yourself. Let's uncollapse responsibility with blame because oftentimes responsibility is collapsed with, okay, if I'm responsible for this situation that I'm in, then that means I'm to blame and I'm wrong and I'm too stupid to figure it out or whatever story that we've created, yeah. which comes from childhood again. Yes. <laughs> and is manifesting <laughs> now in our 30s or 20s or 40s or however old we are. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it's just it's really just comes down to calling our power back in and taking responsibility um, for how we're what we're experiencing within ourselves first and foremost. And from there, there's a something can be done about it because whatever the experience is, if it's um, whatever emotion it is, it's a signaler. It's signaling something to you. It's information. It's feedback. It's a feedback mechanism. That's what emotions are. Um, it's a feedback mechanism. And when we're focused on the external world, we're not able to actually hear the callings of that feedback system. And often it actually has the keys to our freedom encased within the seed of the emotion are the keys to your freedom. So it takes a lot of courage. It takes a uh, willingness. It takes an ability to maintain um, a centered and uh, stable approach to traveling and traversing and experiencing these emotions, going on a journey through the emotion and really seeing, seeing like what it's connected to in your past and uh, bringing that to light. And usually that bears, like I said, that bears the seeds to your freedom. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially, that's essentially what I would say. Um, I got one more thing to that actually. Yeah. yeah bring it. And it's just, it's maintaining a sense of safety. Like you have to feel safe in order to explore the emotions. You have to feel safe in order to explore them. If you don't feel safe, you won't have access to them. Your body's so like the, 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 not the body necessarily, but the human psyche is so good at protecting us from painful experiences that, um, it'll just, we'll just stay in story. We'll just stay in our heads, repeating the loops over and over again. If our body actually doesn't have that sense of well-being and like, it's okay for me to go into this emotion. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be overtaken. It's not going to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> send me to proverbial hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to destroy my, my friends, my family or, or me, you know, and, and usually that takes um, being guided by somebody or being in a container or a community that holds the space for you to be able to um, go into those experiences knowing that all is well, mm-hmm. knowing that whatever comes up, anger, you're crying, screaming, yelling, um, in terror, whatever it is, that you can experience it and that you're going to be okay. So, yeah. And and to that point, there's there, there's so many people who are terrified because they don't know it's safe, right? That mm-hmm. they 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 refuse to take that step. It's letting go of the buoy, or you know, hey, you know, jump into the water. It's deep enough, yet you can't see, and you're like, ah, I, I don't, no, 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 like I I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that until you're like, hey, it's deep enough. It's fine, you know, where you can take the step and have the feeling, you know, and be able to, to release and to let go. Um, that safety component, oh, my gosh, that is yeah. so good, man. That is so, so good. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it comes to it comes down to increasing your window of tolerance too, because we all have this threshold of like intensity of emotion that we can that we can hold. But the goal is to increase your window of tolerance for bigger emotions. Mm-hmm. And the bigger your window of tolerance is, the more of life that you can embrace without being thrown off without uh, being triggered so badly that it takes you, you know, a couple days to recover or whatever the case may be, you can stay, you can ride the middle path, so to speak, the Tao. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can ride the middle path and continue to move forward in an effective progression upward much more effectively, much more efficiently as you build a, 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 a nervous system that can hold more of life and that means everything the good and the bad <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah 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 that that's the thing too i love i love that that concept <laughs> of a- expanding the window right and you know from what i've heard you say and i'm going to ask you this as well uh to be able to expand that window, one of the things that you touched on was give yourself space, slow down, right? Another piece is to be curious about the feelings that you're having, what you're going through, and to be able to have ownership of those feelings, whatever ones that they are, without getting to a point of self-sabotage or beating ourselves up and so that's what i observed yet i want to ask this question just so that it's clear to the listeners how do you expand that window yes great question um so (laughs) most of us are walking around with a window of tolerance that is very very small very very small and most of us are experiencing a high volume of stress and we don't know it. And we're in this thing called the survival loop or in survival mode. The survival loop is like we've been talking about a place where people get stuck. Survival loop is basically We experience stress or a trigger and we get hyper vigilant. We have this, um, like when we get hyper vigilant, we're looking out into the world, looking for things that are threats, looking for things that are danger, looking for things that um, could be painful or wound us, AKA we're focused on the worst case scenario. So when we're focused on that, we often get triggered into fight, flight, freeze, or appease because we're looking for a threat. We're looking for danger. So of course, that's what's going to show up. What you focus on is what grows. And then once, we, once we're in that flight, fight, freeze, or appease, we get into the state where we're not able to access our full cognitive resources. Like our brain, our, our full cognitive resources are not available to us. 
complex, creative, uh, computational thinking is gone. It's not available to us. And that's where most people are. And you may look at a lot of people and think like, logically, they should do this, but they're doing this other thing that makes no freaking sense. And it's probably because it's an emotionally based decision or a trauma based decision, which makes sense for their five year old self, who's likely in a trauma loop. But doesn't make sense for their 30 year old self that's, you know, logically could do something different or make a more effective decision. So the brain gets in that state and we can't make sense of what's happening um, in our reality. It's really we get really confused. We get really lost. And um, when we can't make sense of things, then we, we go back into a hypervigilant state and we rely on our past experiences. So automatically our brain just goes back to the past and it's like, when did this happen? How did I deal with it? How did I overcome with it? How did I overcome come it? How did I escape this problem? And we take the past that was really useful for us, that, that worked, that got us out of the situation and we place it in the present. So we meet the present situation with the past way that we dealt with it. So it's, br it's bringing something that we've already done over and over again to the present and we just cycle it again and cycle it again. Um, and then we basically what happens is we just end up in that cyclical loop. We get a, a cue, a trigger. We go into flight, fight, freeze, appease. We can't make sense of what's happening. We get confused. We get lost. We don't have full cognitive capacity. And then the only thing we know how to do is to go back to the past and reference how we uh, how we um, navigated or neutralized the threat in the past. And we do that same repetitive behavior over and over again. So the way out of that loop is to, like I said, slow down. And um, one of the ways that you can do that is through the breath. You can breathe slow rhythmically in for four, out for eight. So you can really uh, relax the body exhalation. Um, the relaxation is in the exhalation. So you're going to make the exhalation longer than the inhalation. You can shake your body out. That's another way. I'm, you can, if you could see me, I'm literally just shaking my hands, shaking my shoulders, shaking my legs. <laughs> shake the body out if you've ever seen a gazelle escape from from lions then uh when the gazelle is escaped and has a is in a safe place the gazelle shakes the trauma shakes the fear out of its system well we are very animalistic as well we have a big prefrontal cortex but we also have the reptilian and the limbic brain which is very close to that of, of other mammals so we can shake our nervous system out and shake off that anxiety, worry, concern, um, whatever it is. And once we shake it out of our system and then we breathe, then our full cognitive capacities will be restored to us. We'll have more of our innate and natural potential available to us. We'll be more resilient. Excuse me. And that's how we can build a more of a window of tolerance. So anytime you're triggered, anytime you catch yourself feeling anxious, anytime um, you're dealing with big emotions, that's an opportunity to expand your window of tolerance by breathing, 
shaking your system out, um, doing bioenergetic hops, which is just jumping up and down, um, literally tapping, patting your body. If you can hear me, I'm just patting my shoulders, patting my stomach, patting my legs, take, pulling the energy out of my head and dropping it into my body. And from there, you can meet any situation with much more resilience, with much, much more of your intelligence um, and intelligence, meaning like your cognitive intelligence, your emotional intelligence, um, just more of who more of your your full power. Mm. So that's that's one way that I would say to increase the window of tolerance. Mm. Um, I, I, to do that. I, I, I love it. And, and, you know, you're talking about this loop and you guys, if you weren't, if, if you're still kind of like, oh, what is this loop, right? You could, you could also classify it and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Reggie, is what people will call as patterns. Uh, I'm in that pattern again, right? Mm -hmm. AKA you're in that loop. You're, you're defensive. Why do I keep coming back to that guy? Why do I keep mm -hmm. getting upset at, <clears throat> excuse me, at work? Right. Oh, mm -hmm. that's Susie. She has that pattern of doing blank, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you guys are probably think like, yeah, I got this pattern of getting really angry at when this happens pattern, AKA mm -hmm. loop. And Reggie literally just told you how you can go. Wait a second. Pause for a second. Shake it out. Take a breath. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the age old saying guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. take 10 seconds, breathe. Like y'all, it's for real. If you breathe, shake, tap, get yourself out of that space, you're going to be able to go, oh, wait a second. I don't have to go back into this loop or this pattern. Mm -hmm. I can take, I can go from external, right? And I can go, wait a second. No, I'm going to go internal here. I'm going to feel these emotions. I'm going to recognize this looper pattern. I'm going to break this pattern by breath, by tapping, by hopping. And then I'm going to come back out to external and go, wait a second. I got this. I'm in control here and being mm -hmm. able to move forward. Yeah. That's so powerful. <laughs> Re That's Reggie, good. this has been fire, pure fire. And this is going to be so helpful for so many of our clients, I know it 100%. And before we end any of our podcasts, our listeners know how, how this goes. We always ask, what are your, what are your three like go-to tips? And we've talked about a lot of different things, but what are your three go-to tips that you could tell our clients when it comes to becoming unstuck? If they're right now, they're sitting in life like, Man, Reggie, a lot of stuff you talked about, like I'm feeling that. I'm feeling this stuckness or I'm feeling this depression, this anxiety, or I don't know how to feel my emotions. And you know, we covered so many things. What would be what would be your top three tips in terms of starting to get ourselves out of that stuckness and into mm -hmm. ourselves? Ah yes, yes, yes. Well, um, mm, there's, uh, parts of us. Well, first of all, there's parts of us that get stuck. 
it's not all of you that is stuck. There's a part of you that is untouchable. I'm not sure how you guys feel about the F-bomb, but un-F-wittable. So I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> untouchable, un-F-wittable. And that is naturally and innately free. Um, that is naturally fulfilled, naturally happy and curious and compassionate, loving, trusting. There's an aspect of you that has access to that. So there's typically parts of you that are stuck, parts of your psychology that are stuck. And one way you can gain awareness of these parts that are stuck is to start writing, journaling. Just start writing, writing down your experience um where do you feel stuck at what part of your life do you feel primarily stuck in you know what does that feel like um what does it look like right now and just becoming aware of the situation and taking a step back getting it out of your head and getting it onto paper is a great start so i would just say start journaling start writing build a more intimate relationship with your true self and the different aspects of you that feel stuck. That's a start. Mm -hmm. And based on how these different parts of you that feel stuck, feel alone, feel victimized, feel alienated, start to get in touch with how those parts feel. Like when you write it down, you'll likely notice that there is a resonance within your emotional experience that is um, co that is coherent with the words that you're writing on the paper. So if you say that, um, you know, I feel sad or I feel angry or I feel whatever, See if you can notice the resonance of that in your body. Once you identify that, then feel into it as a sensation without any labels, without any story, without any language. Just feel the sensation as it is, whether it's warm, whether it's open, whether it's closed, whether it's cold, whether it is, um, it doesn't matter what it is, just allow yourself to feel the sensation, build an intimate relationship with it. And as you begin to feel into it, start to breathe, place one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach, this is called your nurturance canal. And this is what um, your parents could do when you were younger to help, help you feel safe is to lay you on their chest in their nurturance canal and where you could connect with their heart, hear their heartbeat. And um, they would help you c regulate your system that way um, because your little system when you were younger didn't know how to regulate itself. So uh, your parent was the model for how to regulate your system. And now since you're grown and you're an adult listening to this, 
you get to reparent your nervous system and reparent yourself and show yourself that it's safe. The way you do that is to connect with your nurturance canal, right hand over your chest, um, mid chest, upper chest, and then left hand over your belly button and breathe deep. <sighs> While feeling the sensation. And just feel into it until it starts to tone down in intensity. And you start to feel a sense of more calm, a sense of more peace, a sense of more presence. And just those simple practices right there will help you start to build a bigger container to embrace the allness and the isness of your human experience, regardless of what it is. Um, and uh, that, that, that's going to support you in healing a lot of things. And you won't have to cognitively necessarily think about what's happening. Um, you'll, you'll just, your body will start to drop into more of a parasympathetic state overall, a greater state of well-being. And that will naturally heal you and allow you to move through some of these limiting thoughts and limiting experiences that you've been having internally and externally, they become, they get to be dissolved from um, well-being. Um, yeah, so I'll say those three things. Journal, notice the parts, of, write down the parts of you that are stuck. Start to feel into those parts that feel stuck and then create safety for those parts that feel stuck by breathing and connecting with your body. One hand on your chest, one hand on your, hand on your belly, start to breathe. Uh, a bonus one, a bonus step would be to just take your awareness. Um, often we get stuck with our awareness behind our eyes and we feel like we're trapped in this little room um, in our head. And that, that creates a lot of chaos in our lives, a lot of disorientation, a lot of disorganization. You'd unhook your awareness from this, this thought-based structure in your brain and drop your awareness into your body. And often that simple act will have you experience more peace, clarity, mm -hmm. presence, and power within yourself within minutes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. You guys, and some of you guys might be thinking like, wait a second, that seems too easy. You're telling me just write down, then feel, and then breathe. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying and what Reggie is saying here. You know, a lot of the time, simple and easy are not the same thing, you guys. You've heard us say that so many different times. Yet that, that repetition of giving yourself space, giving yourself safety, putting your hand on your chest and on your belly, wrapping yourself up, feeling your body. What does it feel like sitting in that chair? You driving right now. What are you hearing? What are you smelling? What are your senses telling you? This is getting external, getting outside of that trapped box that Reggie was saying and into our bodies. And guys, when you do that, again, you might think like, how's that gonna solve things? Allow it to, allow it to give yourself a space and, and allow it to do so. 
uh, Coach Hemley. Anything, any, yeah. anything to put in here? I know we both have just been like, tell mm, us more. soaking Rachel. it in. Yeah, yep. Tell, tell <laughs> more. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Reggie. Uh, you know, I I came into it with a few questions, but you answered them. Um, my my biggest takeaway is slowing down. You know, I have a lot of clients and people in general. And you you mentioned before that you work a lot with men and how there can be that resistance. Um, I know there can be a lot of resistance with men and feeling their emotions or, you know, at least like in how I just said it, like, oh, like, I don't want to feel my emotion, like push them aside, push them aside. Yet knowing that first step to just start slowing down is a huge piece of advice, I think. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It really is helpful. And, I think if anybody's wondering how this could uh, support you or how's it going to help, it's like the body can grow and evolve when it feels, um, when it's in a parasympathetic state, when it's in a rest and digest state. And our bodies naturally will heal. Like if you cut your finger, or you get a bruise, you don't have to cognitively and consciously (laughs) effort and think, heal finger, heal. (laughs) Your nervous system just naturally does that. And the speed at which it can do that will be predicated on the state of your body. If you're super stressed, super overwhelmed, and your energetic resources are constantly going outward towards your environment and towards work and things like that, you have less resource for your body to actually heal or recover from a cold or or whatever or cancer whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. but when you are constantly and more often in a state of safety aka rest or digest your body's constantly regenerating constantly renewing constantly mm-hmm improving itself Mm -hmm. and automatically has an opportunity to heal those things that you aren't even consciously aware of just like it it unconsciously digests your food just like it unconsciously heals your finger just like it unconsciously does all these things 35 million gazillion different things we're talking 100 trillion cells that do shit without you having a fucking thought about it (laughs) and we think we know better (laughs) safety is is the healing and the feeling is the teaching the feeling will teach you so much about your history and so much about what you are needing the medicine that you are needing in order to free yourself and liberate yourself so um, dude mic drop right there (laughs) that crushed it you guys reggie is an incredible coach you want you want to you want to follow him you want to know more about him trust us we don't just bring on people onto the podcast that we don't believe completely and deeply in and so we have full support of reggie reggie how do people get in contact with you if they want to know more if they wanted to get to know you more how do they do that yeah, so they can give me a follow on Instagram at Reggie Savvy, and um, that's R E G G I E and S A V V Y. 
or they could join my Facebook group called the High Vibe Tribe. And I'm giving out a lot of free content with uh, this information, different ways that people can begin to work with their bodies and create that level of safety that we've been talking about. And uh, yeah, those are two ways. I've actually got a workshop going on tonight. I'll be leading more of those. Um, so I've got one coming up in 20 minutes here. Yes. Around, it's all about, uh, it's the freedom workshop and it's going to be about how to use um, mindset, breath work and meditation in order to move through things like we've talked about before, um, anxiety, concern, worry, yeah. hypervigilance. It's those things where we get stuck in the mind and um, how to liberate uh, ourselves from those things with those three tools. Um, so mindset, breath work, and meditation. Wow. Wow. That's what we're up to. You guys, the High Vibe Tribe. This is on, that's on Facebook? <laughs> yes, that's get, on Facebook. Get there. Get there. Mm-hmm. Follow Reggie. We'll put all the links in the in the show notes. Check it out. Reggie, brother, thank you so much for what you gave us today. Uh, fully received and, and, and downloaded and uh, so useful to all of our listeners and to our clients. So we thank you for your time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. Um definitely am uh, appreciative of you reaching out and, and giving me an opportunity to be on here brother you've got the the best podcaster voice by the way i uh, think we both do i've gotten re- i've gotten uh i've gotten Joel, feedback for sure that, yeah, yeah that i could do it yeah you do you you got it man you've been gifted with the gab of, of a beautiful voice Thank you. Serenading the people. I I totally received that. I really appreciate it. Uh, All right, you guys, you you know what to do from here. This is episode 59. We're going to be rolling into episode 60 next week before Emily and I head off to Austin for the Strong Coach Summit. So make sure to tune in next week. Uh, Emily, anything else before we sign off? No, thanks again, Reggie. It's been awesome. I'm super excited for everyone to hear this. Let's All do right. it again. Awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do it again. Yeah. All right, you guys. That's it for this episode, episode 59. We'll see you next time. <laughs>